Welcome to the Prince College Podcast. We are so thankful that you've tuned in. Our hope with this podcast is that it teaches you more about who Jesus is, what he's done, and what that means for you. With that in mind, let's dive right in. Hope you enjoy. Amen. All right, you can take a seat. It is really good to be back with you guys tonight. If you've been tracking with us at all, you know that we've been in a series that we've been simply calling The Good Portion. And I want to give you a little bit of a recap on that. We're taking this language, The Good Portion, from Luke chapter 10. It's this story of Jesus and these two sisters by the names of Martha and Mary. And what we see in Luke chapter 10 is that Jesus arrives at their home and the first sister, Martha, she immediately goes into get things done mode. Like she's immediately serving and cleaning up and taking care of things while her other sister, Mary, simply chooses to sit at Jesus's feet, listening to what he has to say, soaking up time with Jesus. And what we see in Luke chapter 10 is that this angers Martha, that she gets frustrated, that she's just so upset that her efforts are going unappreciated. And she thinks that she's doing all of this work and no one's noticing what she's doing, yet her sister is simply sitting at Jesus's feet and Martha gets upset by this. And she confronts Jesus, expecting Jesus to rebuke her sister Mary, but instead Jesus rebukes her and says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken away from her. And so what we see in Luke chapter 10 is that the good portion, what we're calling the good portion, is simply time with Jesus. It's a real relationship with Jesus Christ, one in which we draw near to him, one in which we learn from him, and we are completely changed by him. And that is what I want for you. That's the whole heartbeat behind this series, that I want you to be men and women who consistently choose the good portion, who consistently choose to draw near to Jesus in the midst of a world filled with distractions. Because the reality is this, the world in which we're living in, there are so many things that compete for your attention, for your focus, and for your affections. But in the midst of all that, I want you to be people who choose the good Portion, drawing near to Jesus, pursuing the very heart of Jesus who sit from him, learn from him, and who are changed by him. So that's the reason that we've been doing this series. That's the whole heartbeat behind everything that we have done so far throughout these past several weeks. And I've been thinking just a lot about this, especially as the semester draws to a close. Like, it's kind of crazy to me that we only have like a couple of weeks left in the spring semester. Is anybody else feeling that? Like, it's like the pressure's on. Semester's ending. It's wild. And as the semester's been coming to a close, I've just been thinking about you all. And I've been thinking about how much I want this for you, that I want you, I genuinely desire for you to prioritize your own relationship with Jesus. But the more that I've thought about that, the more that I've realized that no matter how badly I want to, I cannot do that for you. You understand what I mean? Like I cannot invest in your own relationship with Jesus for you. 
that the decision to prioritize and move towards Jesus is one that you must make on your own. This is not one that your family group leader can make for you. This is not one that I can make for you. This is not one that Pastor Josh can make for you. You have to make this decision yourself. You have to learn how to see Jesus rightly, that he is truly more valuable than anything this world has to offer. And time spent with him is better than time spent on anything else. And you have to make that decision to pursue him with all that you have. And in that pursuit, I can come alongside you. I can encourage you. I can pray for you. But you must make that decision on your own, that decision to pursue him personally, not just playing the Christian game, not just going through the motions, not just being passive whenever it comes to your faith, but truly prioritizing your own relationship with him. Because you see, I was, I was really struck by this this week, that we put a lot of effort into nights like this and the things that we do, but none of this, none of what we are doing matters if you are not investing in your own relationship with Jesus. None of what we talk about, none of the things that we cover is ever going to take root in your life if you do not invest in your own relationship with Jesus. Yet the sad reality is I think that many Christians live that way that they hop from service to service, small group to small group, all while neglecting their own personal relationship with Jesus. You see, the context in which we live in, it's really easy to deceive ourselves whenever it comes to our relationship with Jesus because here's what we've done, particularly, I would say, in the South, in the culture in which we live. We've condensed Christianity to a checklist of things that we attend things that we associate with and people we hang out with. And we've compartmentalized our faith. We put on Christian masks. We take part in Christian activities. We use Christian language. But if we're being honest in this place tonight, I'd be willing to bet that there are many of you who are not experiencing true intimacy with Jesus Christ, a true relationship with him, that we hear a lot about Jesus. We may even talk a lot about him, but we're not experiencing a relationship with him that changes us from the inside out. That we spend a lot of time in Christian environments, but all the while we may be missing Christ. And I don't want that for you. My fear for us is that if we're not careful, we can focus far too much on the exterior of our lives, of the image that we portray to those around us instead of focusing on what is underneath, instead of focusing on the very bedrock of our souls, being our own relationship with Jesus, that we can be in all the right places, we can know all the right language, we can participate in all the right activities, but we can still miss Jesus. And that terrifies me. And I want you to hear me really clearly tonight. I'm not saying all that to point my finger at you. I'm not saying all of that to shame you. I'm saying all that because I want so much more for you than that. I don't want you to be passive about your faith. I don't want you to miss out on all that Jesus has for you. I don't want you to miss out on the good portion, truly drawing near to him, truly prioritizing your own relationship with him. 
I don't want you to settle for a superficial relationship with Jesus. I want you to pursue genuine intimacy with him and see him transform you from the inside out. And see, I know that this is Jesus' heart as well because he talks about this a lot. As he works through the Gospels and we see these encounters that he has with people, he spends a lot of time talking about the heart. Not just about doing the right things, not just about participating in the right activities, but who we are on the inside, transforming us from the inside out. He spends a lot of his time talking to religious people that have the systems, structures, and all that kind of stuff down, but they're missing the heart of the matter. And I want us to get at that heart tonight. So we're going to look at one of these conversations that Jesus has with his disciples, and it's found in Luke chapter 6. If you got your Bible, I want you to go ahead and join me there. It's going to be behind me on the screens as well. We see here in Luke chapter 6 that Jesus is kind of wrapping up a large section of teaching, that he's been teaching his disciples, and he kind of puts a bow on it this way at the end of Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, Jesus says this. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and he laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke out against it and it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. And whenever the streams broke out against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. This is an incredibly profound teaching from Jesus. And he is speaking to a particular people in a particular day, but I believe his words carry so much weight and so much relevance for the culture in which we are living in. Because we see in this moment, Jesus is concluding an incredibly extensive amount of teaching of what life in the kingdom of God is meant to be like. How we, as followers of Jesus, are meant to live our lives. And yet he ends his teaching this way. He has this weird transitional sentence. Like he's not prompted by this. He just says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? That question is not in response to anything that anyone says. He just says that as he's wrapping this up. And it's as if Jesus is saying to this people, hey, some of you who are hearing this, you call me by the right name, but you're not living the life that I've called you to. You know the right lingo, but you're not living your lives as ones who have been transformed by the goodness of Jesus. You're not living your life as one who's been transformed by the good news. And whenever you see that question and you see him say that, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you, that should beg the question in your heart of what does that mean? What does that look like? What should it look like for me to hear his words and put them into action? What does it mean for me to call him Lord, Lord, and to do what he tells me to do? What does true obedience to him look like? And Jesus, he elaborates on this idea of what true obedience looks like, and he does so by using this analogy of two men who are building two different houses. 
And I love this. This is incredibly brilliant on behalf of Jesus because what we see in this analogy is these both men, both of these men, two separate men, both are constructing a house. They're both building something. And from Jesus' teaching, we're given to believe that these two houses, that they look the same on the outside. That if you were just looking at them from the road, they look the same on the outside, but they have one key difference. And that key difference is the foundation upon which they are built. And what we see in this analogy is that one man puts in time, effort, and energy. I love that the text says that he dug deep. That, that, those two words captivated me this week. If you circle or underline in your Bible, I'd circle those two words, that he dug deep. This would have required energy, time, intentionality, and purpose. This would have required this man to do a lot of work that did not yield in immediate results. You understand that, right? Like he's digging deep into the earth. No one is seeing the results of his labor. There's no walls going up. There's no roof going up. There's nothing that is being seen above the surface. He's putting in effort and energy to dig deep until he finds something solid. And then he begins to build. But the other man In this analogy, we see him not put in any kind of effort at all, that he just immediately starts throwing up some walls. He starts constructing constructing some exterior. He is careless and passive about his construction, choosing to focus on the exterior rather than the foundation, going after the immediate results rather than trying to build something that lasts. And yeah, his house might have gotten built faster. He may have, his work may have looked impressive from the outside. He may have seen more immediate results, but none of it is going to last. I want you to think about this analogy with me. This is brilliant on behalf of Jesus. It's as if Jesus knows he's just concluded this teaching on what life in the kingdom is meant to be about. And it's as if he knows that there's going to be a tendency within the heart of man to take his words and to condense them into a checklist to immediately start to do and immediately start to act, being like Martha, jumping into motion, starting to take care of things before ever truly sitting at Jesus' feet like Mary, immediately going into action, constructing the outside of our own houses, focusing on the exterior, convincing ourselves that this is true obedience, all the while neglecting truly investing in our own foundation. And Jesus, by using this analogy, is letting us in on this truth that that kind of obedience, the kind of obedience that just focuses on the externals, what is portrayed or what is given to the world around us, that kind of obedience is useless, that it won't produce anything lasting and it will actually result in great destruction because sooner or later, there's going to be a flood that comes. Sooner or later, there will be a storm to arise. And whenever this moment of difficulty comes, you're going to be able to very clearly see the difference between these two houses. Because, yeah, they may look the same on the outside, but whenever the difficulty comes, whenever the storm rises, whenever there's hard times that come, one is going to remain because it's built on something solid, and one is going to crumble. 
And so what we see from all of this, from Jesus teaching this, is this, is that you can fake an exterior, but you can't fake a foundation. You can fake an exterior. You can portray an image, but you can't fake a foundation. And sooner or later, your foundation is going to be tested. And so we need to spend time investing in our own foundation. This is where I believe this teaching gets incredibly relevant to your life because we are living in a day that loves to place value and priority on our exteriors. We're living in a superficial world. We live in a world that is about appearances, images, and valuing how we look in the eyes of other people. So many of us will live our lives with the primary goal of presenting an image to the world around us. And we'll work hard to cultivate that image. We'll be really particular about who we hang out with, where we go, the things that we do, being a part of the right organizations, the right churches, the right college ministries. Why? Because we want to make sure that we're portraying an image that is consistent with who we want to be in the eyes of other people. Our world values and prioritizes external appearances. But in the midst of all that activity, in the midst of that, it's so easy for us to neglect investing in the very foundation of our lives. Because what we see is that our foundation, the foundation of a home, the foundation of our lives, it's not seen by the outside world. The foundation is underneath the surface. It's not seen by others. And because it's not seen by others, it often gets undervalued. You see, we place a high value on the exterior because that's what's going to be seen and celebrated by those that are around us. But because we don't, other people don't see our foundation, we don't place as high a value on it. So it often gets passed over. It often gets neglected, but what Jesus is showing us here in this text is that the foundation of who we are is the most important part of who we are. It's the very thing that we are meant to build our life upon, and if you build your life on superficial appearances, then all of those will eventually come crumbling down. And it will result in destruction. And I do not want that for you. I want you to build your life on something solid, something true, on a deep abiding relationship with Jesus, one that will endure through all seasons of your life, one that will change every part of who you are. That's what I want for you. I don't want you settling for superficial religion. I want you pursuing wholeheartedly after Jesus. I want you to find in him everything that your soul craves, and I want you to build your life on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. You see, we focus so much on our performance. We focus so much on exteriors. We focus so much on the image that we portray to other people wanting to be seen as valuable, wanting to be seen as something significant. But Jesus, he just wants us. He just wants you. And I want you to hear me say this tonight. This is going to be the main point for us tonight. It's going to be behind me on the screens. What you need to understand is this, is that Jesus is calling for proximity, not performance. 
Jesus is calling for proximity, not performance. You see, he wants us to focus on being close to him, not just on our external actions. Whenever we focus on performance, we're like the man who builds our house on the sand, that we work from the outside in. We focus on the externals, focus on putting some walls up and portraying something that looks impressive, but on the inside, it's hollow. It's empty. It has no real solid foundation. It has no real substance. Performance focuses on our own effort and our own design and what we portray to the world around us. And the sad reality is there are many people who have a faith built on that, whose faith is all about their performance, whose faith is all about the way in which they look to those that are around them. But what Jesus shows us in this parable, in this analogy, in this story, is that that's worthless. That's not going to produce anything lasting. That's not going to produce anything significant. And the only one that you're fooling is yourself. No, we're not meant to focus on performance. We're meant to focus on proximity, on getting close to Jesus. But this will require intentional effort on your part that you on your own must make the decision to prioritize your own pursuit of Jesus. You must pursue him being like the man who digs deep to find something solid. You see, that digging, that effort that takes time to accomplish it. Like I said, it's easy for us to fake an exterior. It's much harder to dig deep. It's much harder for us to focus on the things that people never see. And because it's difficult, we often neglect it. Because it's difficult, we don't like to take the time to invest our energy and to invest our effort to digging deep and cultivating a strong foundation. But what I want you to understand is that whenever you take the time to dig deep, it comes with a great reward. And it's okay to be motivated by that great reward. All right, in this analogy that Jesus uses, he talks about how the great reward is that the man's house doesn't collapse. All right, that's a good thing. Like if you build a house, I'm guessing you want it to stand for a little while and last for, through a few rainstorms. But what Jesus is trying to get at here is that you are meant to build your life on something solid, on something genuine, on a real, personal, thriving relationship with Jesus. And as we dig deep, as we put in the time, the energy, and the effort to draw near to Jesus, to pursue proximity to him, our reward is intimacy with him. It's a life that is being changed from the inside out. You see, this is significant. The world likes to work from the outside in, telling you that if you can get the externals right, that you'll receive that inward validation. They like to work from the outside in, but Jesus has always been concerned with working from the inside out. He wants to get at your heart. He wants you, he wants a relationship with you that changes you from the inside out. He wants you. The inside out way is always the way of the kingdom. Jesus is consistently calling for proximity, not performance. And so the question becomes, what does this look like? How are we meant to do this? What does it look like to focus on proximity and not on performance? It means that we gotta get our priorities in order. 
It means that we've got to learn how to value the right things, that we don't value the externals. We don't put too much emphasis on our performance, on the way that we look in the eyes of others, but instead we learn how to value proximity to Jesus, closeness to Jesus, that we realize that the goal of our lives is not to measure up in the eyes of other people. The goal of our lives is to get as close to Jesus as we possibly can. That is what you should be striving for. That is what you should be pursuing. And so we put in the energy and the effort to draw near to Jesus personally, to pursue proximity to him. That means that you've got to learn how to spend time with him on your own. That your relationship with Jesus should not just be based on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and the occasional family group. That's not a true relationship with Jesus. Don't just invest in the things that are gonna be seen by other people. Invest in the times that's never gonna be seen by anyone else. It means that you wake up early. You spend time in prayer. You spend time in God's word that you pursue him on your own. It means that you make it a priority to set aside some time where you can get alone with him, where you can set aside the distractions. You can put the phone down. You can turn off the TV and you can just be. It means that you actually carve out enough time to actually read scripture and reflect on what it says. Not just reading it really quickly so that you can check it off the list saying that you accomplished your good Christian deed for the day, but you read scripture and you meditate on it and you let it change you from the inside out. You really ponder these things. You take time to truly draw near to Jesus and we don't do these things to earn God's love. We don't do these things to prove anything. We don't draw near to Jesus just to simply learn more information about him. We don't draw near to Jesus to try to impress our Christian friends. We don't draw near to Jesus to try to learn some new theological fact. We draw near to Jesus to invest in a personal relationship with this God you can know. That's what I want you to see. It's not just about checklist. It's not just about boxes that you check. It's not just about some spiritual to-do list. We have a God who created us to be in relationship with him, and he's inviting you into something more. Don't settle for superficial religion. Learn to pursue him personally, and as you draw near to him, as you get closer to him, what you will see is that he will change you from the inside out. You see, one of the things that I want to be really clear about is that the way that we live our lives, it does matter. I'm not saying that the externals don't matter. I'm not saying that you can just believe in Jesus and have your own private time with Jesus and then go live however the heck you want to. That's not what I'm saying. The way that we live our lives does matter. We are meant to look different from the world around us, but not because we're just trying to portray an image to the world around us. Not because we're trying to prove ourselves to God, but because we have a genuine relationship with this God who has redeemed us. That we're meant to look differently because of who we belong to. See, I think about it like this. A couple of years ago, Jillian and I were actually able to buy our first home. Well, we were able to take on a lot of debt in order to get our first home. I guess it's the more appropriate way to say that. We're paying loans now, right? And so in order for us to get that first home, a lot of things had to take place. And it all culminated in this moment where we're sitting in this lawyer's office with the real estate agent and this other couple that we're buying the house from. And we're just signing so many papers, right? Just so many signatures. 
but we signed on the dotted line. And as soon as we signed on the dotted line, a transfer of ownership took place. The house no longer belonged to that other couple. It belonged to us. Now, just because it belonged to us, just because that transfer of ownership took place, did not mean that the house was exactly the way that we wanted it. No, there were things that needed to be done, particularly in our yard. Okay, Jillian likes to make fun of me about this, but I'm really particular about the way that my yard looks. All right, I care about it. I want it to look a certain way. So whenever that transfer of ownership took place, I got to work. And I started investing time, investing energy, investing resources to make the yard look the way that I wanted it to look, which meant I had to get all kinds of tools All kinds of things that I didn't have while living at a little apartment. I had to get tools that were enabling me to transform the yard into the way that I wanted it to be. But why did I do that? Did I do that just because I love yard work? Absolutely not. Okay, there are only a few things in this world that I genuinely hate. Weed eating is at like the top of that list. Okay, it's the worst thing in the world. I really believe it. Okay, it's terrible. I hate weeding. It's not, I didn't just enjoy the work. I didn't do the work just for the sake of doing the work. I did the work because of what it resulted in. I did the work because there was great reward in it. The satisfaction of taming the great abyss that was our backyard. But we did all of this not to earn the right for the home to be ours, but because the home was already ours. You understand what I'm saying? Something similar happens in our relationship with the Lord. You see, the gospel of Jesus says that everything that is necessary for our redemption, for our forgiveness, for us to be reconciled to God was accomplished on the cross of Christ. That we all racked up a debt that we could never pay on our own, but that through Jesus' perfect life, sacrificial death, and miraculous resurrection, he paid it all. And everything that is needed to settle the debt between us and God was accomplished on the cross of Calvary. That he signed on the dotted line with with his very blood, that he gave his life so that you may live. And if we believe in him, trusting that he truly is the son of the living God, not just some character in history, but deity, the one who dwelled among us, that he's the son of God and that he's indeed risen from the grave, then if we confess that with our mouth and we believe that in our heart, then in a moment, in a moment, the text, the Bible tells us that we can be saved. We can be brought into relationship with him and we now belong to him. This is what the Bible calls salvation. And at the moment of salvation, a transfer of ownership takes place. We no longer belong to ourselves. We now belong to the king of kings. But just like the house that we bought, Whenever we make that, whenever that moment happens, whenever that transfer of ownership takes place, we too still have remnants of our former tenant. 
You understand that, right? We have remnants of our former way of life, and we have things in our lives that are still not consistent with who we belong to. And the gracious thing about our God is that he wants to come alongside us. He wants to mold us. He wants to shape us into all that he has called us to be. But in order for us to step into that, we must learn how to prioritize our own relationship with him. We must draw near to him. God has provided tools and ways Ways by which we do this to help us in our own personal devotion to him. He's provided the very word of God for us to sit with, to read, to consume, not just to learn a bunch of facts, not just to learn a bunch of cool things about God, but so that we can connect with him, so that we can know him, so that we can truly draw near to him. He's provided us with things like prayer, not just for us to offer up like one last Hail Mary before we take that final exam but so that we can actually communicate with the king of kings. He's provided us with practice like silence and solitude where we're meant to just get away and spend time contemplating God. He's provided us with practices like Sabbath and rest so that we can truly find refreshment for our souls. But these tools that he has provided us with, they've been given to us for a purpose. They're not the end goal. These spiritual disciplines that we're meant to invest in, they're not there just to make us look more spiritual, to make us look like we're more put together. They've been given to us for a purpose so that we may draw near to him. These spiritual disciplines that we've been given, they're they're, they're given to us to help us dig deep, to help us cultivate a solid foundation, to find something solid upon which to build our lives. And that solid foundation is the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what I want for you. I want you to learn how to invest in your own relationship with Jesus, spending time with him, opening his word, learning more about prayer, learning more about the spiritual disciplines, not just to have a means to do something to make yourself look more spiritual, but so that you can learn how to truly draw near to Jesus. We do not do these things in order to earn the right to be called children of God. We do these things because we already are children of God. We do these things to experience more of him. This is what I want for you. See, as the summer approaches, here's what I know. I want you to be men and women who continue to pursue personal relationship with Jesus. Don't let the summer be a season that just disrupts your growth. I know that for me, whenever I was in college, summer oftentimes was a disruption of the norm. It's whenever I got out of my routines. It's where I got out of my regular habits. And a lot of times, it was not a time that I made advancements in my relationship with the Lord. A lot of times, it's where I experienced a lot of setbacks. And summer's coming in a couple of weeks, and we're not going to have this anymore. You're not going to have family groups anymore. You're not going to have those regular routine things. But just because you don't have those regular routine things does not mean that you should not continue to invest in your relationship with Jesus. I want you to begin to cultivate these habits now. Pursue him now. Be proactive in this now. Pursue proximity to him. Put in the time, the energy, and the effort to truly build your life on something solid. And know that in your pursuit of this, we want to come alongside you. We want to encourage you, but you must make this decision yourself. And so tonight, what I hope you hear me say is this is that what I want for you, 
more than anything in the world is that I want you to be men and women of genuine devotion. I want you to be men and women who know how to pursue a relationship with Jesus personally. I want you to be men and women who don't just depend on someone else to feed you for your own relationship with Jesus. I want you to be men and women who are not passive about your faith, but who pursue Jesus above all else. And if you do, I believe that you will find something solid, something unshakable, which is true and genuine intimacy with Jesus. And that's what I want for you. Would you pray with me? Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Prince College Podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, you can check us out online at www.pabc.org backslash college. Or you can follow us on social media at at prince.college. We'll see you next time.